Hello, Rob Shank here, your host for this podcast, Shank Talks Bunhofer, all about the life, times, and interests of our namesake, a brave, young, brilliant church leader in Germany during the rise of National Socialism, the Nazi dictatorship of Adolf Hitler, was one of the first uh, church leaders to speak out against uh, that tyranny that would become one of the greatest threats to human flourishing ever in global history. Of course, Bonhoeffer would lose his life in that struggle, but not before leaving us with a wonderful legacy in print, uh, in the model of his life's work, uh, and in the relationships he left behind, uh, who help us to understand him and the contribution he has made, particularly to the theme of religious ethics. So welcome, one and all. We have a very interesting conversation partner today. Glory White is the author of a new book uh, that's making the rounds and getting quite a bit of attention, 50 Answers, How World Religions Grapple with Life's Biggest Questions. Uh, Glory White, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor to be here and to get to discuss these ideas with you. Um, and I hope this really makes an impact. No doubt it will, because uh, if it's just me who gets excited on this subject, that's enough because it's very personal for me. And I'll mention this uh, as we get uh, rolling in our conversation, uh, my own home. Uh, was a place where many religions met. My father was Jewish. My mother was born and baptized Catholic, was raised Episcopalian. Uh, she converted to Judaism to marry my father, but late in life would return uh, mostly to her Christian faith. Uh, we had Muslims marry into the family, Buddhists uh, among our closest family members, and on and on it goes in my own uh, career. I've led uh, multi-faith dialogues, and for me, it's just one of the most exciting dimensions of humanity is religion. And you give us quite uh, a wonderful introduction to how religion can foster uh, unity, and I'd like to read, if I may, uh, in the absence of a kind of formal biography for you, and I know there's reasons for that, we'll talk about that, but I'd like to read the book's description. Sure. Where do we come from? What happens after we die? Religions have been answering these questions and many more for millennia. But while most of us are familiar with the answers of major world religions, Answers from lesser-known or historical religions are often overlooked. This book explores the answers a wide variety of religions provide for our biggest, most compelling questions, pushing the limits of what we know about our beliefs and ourselves. Glory White, uh, we evangelicals like to say, that'll preach, sister. 
<laughs> for <Israel>. sure. <laughs> so please tell us more about your crafting of this book, what led uh, to it as a literary project. And I know it's it's a passionate subject for you personally. Yeah, it really is. Um, this might come as a surprise, but I'm actually a scientist. Um, I, uh, Bravo. I, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, I'm actually a biologist. And uh, science at its core is all about answering questions. Uh, questions about us as, as humans, as living creatures, questions about the universe around us. And the idea for this book actually came to me when I was talking to two of my friends. Uh, one is a Muslim and one is Jewish. And these two friends, the three of us are scientists. And uh, uh, I was talking to these two friends during the, mon the month of Ramadan. So my Muslim friend was fasting and we were spending time together in the evening. Uh, so we asked my Muslim friend, when does the fast end? When can you start eating? Because as you know, during Ramadan, you fast all day and then you can eat at night. So Indeed. my Muslim my Muslim friend said, um, once uh, it's dark enough that so that I no longer see the hairs on my arm, that's a sign that I can start eating. Mm. I can break my fast. And I was just blown away. This is such an amazing idea. This is a wonderful way to decide uh, that the day has ended and the night has begun. Mm -hmm. And then my Jewish friend jumped in and said, that's amazing. Uh, in Judaism, how do we know the Sabbath is officially over? When it's dark enough that you can count three stars in the sky, you know that that's it. The day is over and night, nighttime has started. The Sabbath is over. And uh, these two ideas coming together in that moment blew me away personally, and they got me thinking about how religions are pretty much built around the same questions as science, right? Science is all about answering questions about life, the universe, and everything, as they say. And here I was listening to my two friends. Uh, they practice different religions, and they have such different ways to approach the question of how do we define the end of the day, the end of the day and the beginning of the night. And both of their approaches are beautiful and original and amazing and so different, but so, so rich in wisdom. And that got me thinking about how different religions are basically tools we use to answer questions about life. These can be, you know, ethical questions, uh, practical questions, everything you can possibly think of. So um, I started researching a lot of different religions, and uh, I decided to write a book that basically explores the answers religions provide to all these questions. So in my book, I tackle, you know, the big questions like, where do we come from? Where does the world come from? How should we live our lives? Do we control our fate? What happens after we die? And uh, I try to find answers from as many different religions as, as possible, because Basically, I think in the modern world, we mostly know major world religions. Most of us have a pretty good idea of Christianity. Uh, we might know a little bit about Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, maybe Buddhism. And that's pretty much it. Most of us don't really know much, much beyond that. But mm. there are so many other religions and there are so many historical religions that are no longer practiced, but there are thousands and thousands of religions. And they all have such amazing ideas and such wonderful questions to the answer to the such wonderful answers to the questions we've all been asking. 
Um, so I, I, I made a point of researching as many religions as possible, even ones that I've never heard of before. Hmm. And I, I wrote, I started writing the book. And as I was writing it, I also discovered as I, as I went along, I discovered answers to a lot of questions that aren't, you know, the big questions, questions like, um, uh, do elves really exist? And uh, um, where does fire come from? (laughs) Exactly. And should we clean our bathroom? That's a good one. Uh, As it turns out, there's a religious answer to that question. So uh, okay, now that that that's quite the tease there, because now everybody's hanging on that one big question about cleaning the bathroom. Can you can you tell us just that little bit? Absolutely. Spoiler alert, you should clean your bathroom. It's a religious duty to do so. There we go. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> now you got to get, I, I imagine that your explication of that is a little fuller uh, in the book. Yes. Yes. You can so, understand why you can understand the spiritual meaning behind cleaning your bathroom. Absolutely. Of course. Of course. So that's enough for me. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's enough of a tease. And uh, I don't want to interrupt you, except to say that as you're talking, you're reminding me of conversations I had in years past with Francis Collins. Do you know him? No, I don't. He's the recently retired um, head of the NIH, the National Institutes of Health here in the United States, famous for his discovery of the gene that uh, that causes cystic fibrosis, later was one of the first scientists to map the human genome. And Francis Collins is a man of deep Christian faith, uh, but conversant with with people of of all different religions. And in his book uh, on DNA, which he calls the language of God, uh, he talks about uh, how religion answers questions that science either complements or cannot answer, is incapable of answering. Do you think there are questions that science can't answer for us? I think ultimately questions about meaning are questions that science can't answer. Um, Maybe the first two chapters in my book are about uh, where does the world come from and where do we come from? Mm -hmm. The third chapter is how should we live our lives? What is the right way to live your life? And science is is incapable of ever answering that. That's Mm -hmm. something that we have to come up with by ourselves. And uh, in this particular chapter, I have I have answers that are so different uh, in some in some cases completely opposed to each other, and none of them could ever be remotely related to science in any way. Well, far be it from me to challenge a scientist because I am a layman in science and appallingly ignorant. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> When I, I'm not sure I took uh, beyond a, uh, you know, freshman year science course, but I do wonder sometimes if at least science might buttress the claims of religion. For example, just in, um, you know, you, you talk about how one should live one's life. What is a good life? What's an ethical life? Uh Perhaps what is a spiritual life, uh, and and uh, I, I wonder sometimes if there might be, uh, you know, 
evidence, concrete evidence, data that would indicate that, in fact, there is one life that is better lived than another, if not just in a physical or psychological uh, way. Could there be a complementary relationship between the two? Uh, for sure. We know that uh, there are certain things you can do in your life, uh, certain ways to live that make you uh, make you healthier, uh, make you more relaxed. For example, uh, cutting out stress, certain diets, avoiding certain diets. They all can definitely make you healthier and make you uh, and then make you score higher um, on uh, on on happiness, on um, satisfaction, that kind of thing. But what I found, what I find very interesting is that certain religions aren't, aren't about saying, let's see how we can live our lives to make ourselves happier. That's not, that's not the goal in the first mm. place. For example, my, uh, my personal favorite is the Cather church. The Cathars were actually a cult in uh, medieval France. Uh, they believe themselves to be the true Christians. They believe that the Catholic church was corrupt and that they were um, the true church. And they believe that the correct way to live was uh, a life of complete detachment from all material, meaning no possessions, um, no uh, attachment to anything. They didn't eat meat. They didn't, uh, um, they didn't even live in a certain place because they couldn't own a house. They couldn't own any money. So they just traveled and preached and lived lives as spiritually as possible, trying to stay away from never touching anyone of the opposite gender, never uh, swearing an oath, nothing like that. Hmm. Were, were they happy? Probably not. I, hmm. I personally think that's hmm. a very miserable way to live. But they believe that that was the right way to live. And I find that fascinating. So these, the whole idea of maybe a transcendent purpose or uh, something beyond personal satisfaction or happiness, something larger, I guess maybe while that kind of describes, as you say, uh, a certain miserable ascetism, um, <laughs> Uh, you know, certainly there are those who, because of that concept or idea of transcendent values, might contribute to uh, the common good rather than simply to one's own personal good. Did you find that in in uh, in the questions uh, and the answers you explore in the book? Uh, is there a, a, a certain trend within religions to think maybe of something larger than oneself? Oh, absolutely. Um, as you know, one of the most common ideas in the world is the golden rule. Hmm. Um, and to put it simply, it means treat others the way you would like to be treated yourself. Hmm. Now, it's actually interesting to see that, you know, in some cultures, uh, it's more of uh, don't do to others what you don't want done to yourself. Mm -hmm. Whereas in uh, other cultures, it's it's more active. It's more proactive. It's do to others what you'd like others to do to you. Mm -hmm. 
And um, the uh, example of the golden rule that uh, made its way into my book, because I try not to be repetitive, I try to give uh, very distinct answers to different questions. Um, the answer that did make it into my book is uh, the Sunda Wiwitan answer. Uh, that's a religion from Java. And they have a very, very, very simple philosophy. And it centers around one basic idea, which is don't harm others and don't harm yourself. Mm. And that, in my eyes, is just beautiful. It's so simple, but it just puts, you know, your community, your fellow man at the center of your worldview. And it's just amazing. It reminds me of Jesus' summary of all the commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. These things are so simple, but they are, as you say, so profound. And the implications of them are are, uh, innumerable. It affects every area of of our lives. What about some other favorites uh, in the book? Now, I read it a, a little while ago. I have to revisit your book because I read a lot of books uh, before they're published. Um, and I enjoy that. But sometimes by the time we talk about them, they're so distant, I can't remember all the details. So, uh, and I'm going to go back now. I'm, 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 I'm uh, anxious to, I, I want to get back to your work here. But can you, can you give us an idea of some other favorites, some other answers to questions that you found particularly um, not just interesting, but maybe applicable, even in our current uh, situation, uh, globally, socially, politically? Uh, well, there's actually one that I feel um, really uh, ties into the COVID pandemic and uh, our ties to, to the natural world in general. Um, there is an ancient Native American um, belief that uh, at one point in time, humans and animals and plants all lived together in perfect harmony. And back then, animals and plants gave of themselves to the humans because humans need to eat and they need to be clothed and they need to be uh, fed, they need to be uh, housed. And uh, every, everyone lived in harmony, but then the humans got greedy and they took more than they needed more food than they needed to eat and uh, more plants than they needed to build their houses. And uh, this actually started to disturb the natural order of things. So the animals got together and were, were debating how to deal with this problem. So they decided to create disease. Before that, there was no disease. And uh, when, uh, when the plants saw that the animals created disease to punish mankind for its greediness, the plants decided to create um, cures for the different diseases. And I find this is a very ancient tradition. And I find it beautiful because we now know that that's pretty much what happens. The reason we have COVID is because we, we barge into natural habitats where animals and, and plants have been living in harmony for many, many years. We get too close to, to their, their homes. We invade their homes, so to speak. And, and that's how we catch diseases from them, right? The COVID virus is actually, uh, was actually originally uh, a disease that only affected animals and made that leap to us when we invaded their homes. 
And to this day, most, most drugs are actually plant-based or, or were originally plant-based. So the uh, plants really are, in many cases, saving us from the diseases that afflict us. So this is a very beautiful story uh, and a, a wonderful answer to the question of why do diseases exist and why, do, why does medicine exist? And in many ways, we can say it's even scientifically accurate. Wow, that, that's leaving me speechless. Uh, first, you know, <laughs> I'm a great admirer of what I call creation, uh, the natural world, uh, and it, it leaves me grateful uh, for the care of the natural world for all the species that inhabit it. What a what a what a wonderful way to 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 look at a tree or a weed. <laughs> it gives you a, a little different disposition uh, towards them. Uh, and and in all of this, I, I think you know you suggest that by appreciating all these different perspectives, this uh, you know varied wisdom. Uh, the uh, the the multifaceted uh, view it gives us of life of the world, even of history, certainly of humanity. You suggest that this is a way we can find unity with one another, and for me, that that's a particularly important assertion, only because we are living in a very divisive period, at least in the United States. We, I know there are many podcast uh, family members who are in other countries, so I don't want to be too provincial here. But uh, if I can think, you know, just over the last few years here in the United States, we've become very divided. Uh, is there a way that all of this can help us find a path back to one another? So um, I, I have a very good answer to that. And it's, it's based in the feedback I've been getting for my book. I, I basically have been receiving two kinds of responses to my book. There's one camp of people who say, wow, I had no idea there were that many religions. I've actually had one person say to me, I thought there were about 10 religions in the world. That's it. I had no idea there were 50 different religions. Mm. Uh, there's obviously a lot more. I just, I cover 50 religions in the book, but there's a whole lot more. So that's one kind of answer. Um, and another response I've been getting is from people who've been saying to me, I read about so-and-so religion saying this, and that's actually just like something in my faith and the values I was raised on. So I find this very interesting. We have people saying there's a, there are a lot more religions out there than we knew about, and yet a lot of the ideas that different religions have are actually common ideas. A lot of the values I was raised on are actually values that are shared by many different religions. And I think that's the key. It's not just looking at other at people from other religions and respecting them because we respect everyone and we tolerate everyone. It's understanding that even if we have different faiths, at the core of our faiths, we have basically the same ideas. We believe in the same things. 
just like you said earlier, we all believe in respecting each other, in uh, putting um, our community um, uh, above all, in uh, treating others with kindness. These are values that are shared by many, many religions that I researched. Historical cults, religions that are huge today, religions that basically have just a few believers left today. Everyone believes in these same shared values. And that's really amazing. You know, I think there are so many uh, reasons to applaud your contribution uh, through this book, 50 Answers, uh, Glory White. Um, but one of them is that you can fit so much into a really easy read. How many pages again? Um, 90 something. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I got your manuscript. Thank you very much, by the way. I was honored <laughs> to read it before publication. And I said, is that it? I'm done now? Uh, <laughs> and, and I emphasize this only because I know how people feel these days when there's so much distraction and so much claim on our time. Uh, and, you know, we say, well, you know, I'll try to get to that, but I already have three books on my nightstand that I haven't gotten to. Well, 90 pages. Uh, that's a, a quick read, and yet you pack so much into those pages. As you say, you can learn about uh, the variety of religions that are present in the world and have been present in human history. You can uh, learn what these different uh, religions teach uh, and their value systems uh, and you answer the questions uh, maybe some of us haven't thought of yet, but will find very interesting. And you answer the questions that really preoccupy us. So I want to thank you for having spent the time, the creative energy, obviously the the research that went into your work. I mean, you prove. Uh, your profession as a scientist, because it's very well researched and very well written, and uh, and not the least bit dull. And if anybody thinks that a scientist can't write uh, exciting uh, literature, boy, will Glory White prove you wrong. Uh, it's a page turner. I couldn't stop reading it, and I'm going to go back to it. And folks, just to let you know, um, we're going to be including live links in all of the texts surrounding this podcast episode. But uh, Glory White, tell us, um, what's the best way to obtain the book? Is it uh, Amazon or another platform? Where can folks go or where should they go to get a copy of 50 Answers? It's on Amazon. Uh, you can get a paperback and we have a Kindle edition for all you Kindle lovers. So it's, it's, it's very easy to get a copy. Great. And glad you mentioned Amazon because, folks, I will remind you when you go to Amazon and you choose the Dietrich Bonhoeffer Institute as your preferred charity, you help us do our work. Uh, in the name of uh, our namesake, uh, Bunhofer, in uh, bringing an ethical witness uh, to the world. So uh, this will become one of our tools 
Lori White, uh, you've helped us here. You've put another tool in our tool chest to improve the world, and you've certainly done your part in that, and I want to thank you for it, and I look forward to the feedback from our podcast family once they uh, read 50 answers. I'm sure we're going to be hearing uh, a boatload of comments, so thank you for spending this time with me. Thank you for the good work you do, and thanks for this contribution to human flourishing. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to hear that you liked it. And I'd love to hear comments, any kind of feedback from all the readers out there. Keep them coming. And, and, and I should ask you, and we'll put it in the text, how can folks find you? What's the best way for them to find you? Oh, you can uh, email me. My email appears at the end of the book. Uh, look me up on Amazon. You can get links to my, uh, to my website where my email uh, appears as well. And please let me know what you think, uh, what, what parts of my book you enjoyed, what parts you found insightful. I'm waiting to hear from you guys. Great. Uh, and once we find those things, we'll put them in the text surrounding the podcast. So folks, don't, don't get frustrated. We will provide that for you. I've been talking with Glory White, author of 50 Answers. How World Religions Grapple with Life's Biggest Questions. It's been a pleasure, Lori White. Thank you so much for having me.